Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome back to Rotowire Signature NHL Hockey Pod podcast with Statsman and AJ. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno in Toronto, Ontario, and you can follow me at Statsman22. My co-host, as always, is AJ Scholes, who's a great follow at AJ Scholes24, based in Sun Perry, Wisconsin. That's very close to Rotowire headquarters over in Madison. And we welcome back our sponsors uh, from Owner's Box. They've been great to us through the latter part of 2020. 21, and we want to give them a final nod before we uh, look forward to 2022. But AJ, before we get into our look around the league, we actually have been highlighting the fact that we get questions from our listeners from time to time. And I got a couple of really good ones uh, over the holidays, and I wanted to, to knock them around a little bit with you before we get into our regular portion of our show. One of them came out and said, do I drop Blake Wheeler. Now, the back story there is he's got a long-term injury situation that he's dealing with, and he'll be out multiple weeks with that knee injury. So uh, the concern is that we're almost halfway through the season, and uh, players can't, fantasy players can't afford to carry a guy if he's going to be out several weeks at this stage of the season. There's got to be better alternatives, right? Yeah, we, I mean, Wheeler's such a tough one because, I mean, obviously the, the short answer, if you're in any sort of dynasty or keeper league, is absolutely not, right? Of course. Right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like we've got him on long-term IR potentially to return sometime in January, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I I guess for me, I would maybe sit on him, especially at this point. Like you've got a week – maybe two that you'll get him back potentially. Um, Yeah. It's tough because we don't have anything other than what you said. Like he'll be out multiple weeks. Like that's the only update we really got from the team. And that was in mid December. So weeks puts him back in, you know, sometime in January. So I think for me, he's just so good that I would consider riding out, but with all the like players in and out of COVID and all that, you know, debacle on rosters, like, I, I wouldn't begrudge anybody if they dropped him, but I'll tell you this. If I saw Blake Wheeler as a free agent in my league, I'd probably pick him up. Yeah, I think that's uh, the situation is so cloudy that we don't know when his return date is. But you look at other players, like from the beginning of the year, Kenny Malkin was out. You were a shrewd guy to keep him on your uh, stash him in your injury reserve. That's the key. If you can stash him in an injury reserve situation, by all means, go out and do it. And uh, with Malkin, uh, I'm hearing that he, it won't be too long before he gets back in the lineup. So you, you can finally start seeing that pay dividends. But we're also in leagues where that IR slot doesn't exist. And that's where the tough part comes in, because you really take a hit when a guy's out for several weeks. So it really depends on the situation that your league puts you in as an owner. And you have to think, OK, if, if I'm going to be without this guy for like seven or eight weeks, I'm going to lose out on points every week and and who knows what kind of condition he's going to be in. And if he is going to be in back in the lineup within that time frame. So for me, it really depends on, on the league structure that you're in, in terms of a decision like that. As you said, this guy's a, a veteran of the league and is a, a surefire top end player every season. So if you're in a dynasty league, your decision is made for you. You got to hold on to a guy like that and it might really hurt you this season, but you got to, think weigh that against the long-term outlook. So very tough situation with a signature player like this. A second question, AJ, is uh, with all the COVID injuries and issues, uh, my roster's taking a beating. What should I do? And, And I answered the guy by saying, 
you know what? If you have goalies in your games, they produce a lot of points on a weekly basis. So what I'm doing, because I had a, a rash of COVID issues on my, on, on my roster, I started to stream more goalies, AJ. And it really served me well because I piled up a lot of points and I kept my games competitive while I was shorthanded. So that's one thing that I look at because they get more points than position players in most formats. So uh, that was my recommendation. I don't know if you subscribe to the same or would you just look at who's been hot the last couple of weeks and pick them and, and stream those players that way? Yeah, I mean, this this goes back to kind of what you're saying is like, are, are you willing to drop guys that – our, our quality. Like I was just looking at, at my league, uh, one of my leagues that I'm in and somebody dropped Matt Duchesne previously, you know, he was on the COVID list and I think it was COVID list or maybe an injury, but anyway, he was hurt, but he's like had a really good season. Right. So um, I do think maybe trying, I do like your strategy, Paul, of kind of focusing on the goalies. Um, you know, the other thing is though to, to pick your spots, right? Like, yeah. don't revamp your entire roster. Like, at some point, you just got to ride it out. Um, and that's kind of unfortunate, and it, it can set you back for a couple of weeks. But, um, you know, I, I think you there's no one surefire way without knowing the guys that you have on your team. But, you know, I look at – I'll use my team as an example here. You know, I've had Malkin stashed away. I've had to ride out um Brian Rust being out as well I have Kuznetsov so he missed some time uh so you know I've had to really kind of power through some of these absences um and I I think you know it's a it's a player by player basis you know I think it depends who's hurt for how long do you have an IR spot um but overall I do like your strategy Paul of of making sure you have a, a third goalie to maybe uh, use in that situation or depending on your league format, a fourth goalie to, to consider. Uh, final thought, AJ, and we talked about this just before going to air. We had to talk about COVID and the impact again today to the injured list on all almost every club. But this time there's also a smidgen of good news in terms of reducing the quarantine times. We're hearing that the league and the players association have, have agreed to reduce the, the, period from 10 days to only five, as long as the players can produce two negative tests. And that's the key point. If they don't, then they're going to stay on this uh, on this quarantine period. But at least it's a bit of a break from the 10-day protocol. I see that as a positive indicator. And again, we also talked, neither one of us is a doctor, but the impact of, of this Omicron variant seems to be lesser in terms of uh, the devastation of the of the symptoms uh, sounds a lot like flu symptoms uh, for the most part that I'm hearing and reading about again I'm not a doctor and there are more some serious cases out there I don't mean to diminish them at all but overall the death rate is much lower now than it has been throughout the period of COVID uh, that I've that I've been seeing. And again, I take that as a positive indicator and doctors that I've spoken to doctors too. And they say, well, we're hopeful that by the end of January, things will be calmer than they are right now. So I'm trying to spread a bit of a ray of optimism. I don't want to see a deluge of people saying, why are you commenting? I stressed, I've said it two times. I'll say it a third. I'm not a doctor, but the indicators that are out there are, are positive from the league's perspective of reducing the quarantine days to what we're seeing in terms of the symptoms and people that we know that have gone through this uh, sharing that information with us so 
I'm trying to spread some positive vibes. Do you feel the same way, AJ? Are you or are you a little reluctant to to dip your toe in that? Yeah, I'm like I'm I'm very torn because um I I do think, you know, the fact that they're reducing the quarantine does speak to kind of the science of what they're seeing uh with with the new Omicron variant. Um but obviously, you know, for me I got two kids at home, neither of whom's eligible to be to be vaccinated yet. So, like, I, I'm walking this thin line of like, I agree, Paul, that there are indicators that, you know, as, as a, a worldwide situation, that there are some possible improvements coming. As far as the league goes at this point, practically everybody's had it. Um, so, you know, guys are should be you know better off moving forward. Not to say you can't get it more than once. We've seen that happen in the league, but. You know, then I do have like the at home side of it that stresses me out. So um, I, I'm I'm not quite ready to feel optimistic, <laughs> mm-hmm. all, but um, I, I agree with with what you're saying. I think the fact that they're lowering that quarantine does seem like it's a, a sign of good things to come. Yeah. And they also have in their back pocket the fact that now the NHL and the Players Association have agreed to step away from Olympic participation. So that three week break in the schedule can be used to to play the games that have been canceled up till now. So I'm still optimistic that we're going to get an 82 game season in, but I hope they can do it in the safest possible way. And so that brings us to the portion where we we dive in, want to dive into the rosters. We're going to uh, look at this whole situation after the Christmas break. A host of players entered COVID protocols and many games were canceled. We have to almost restart your fantasy hockey season research by a review of the current rosters for each club with updates regarding the injury COVID list as a big part of it. And so we're going to try and highlight uh, the injured list for each team and uh, not project exactly the timing for players' return, but also focus on the players that are in the lineups and taking advantage of newer opportunities. So that's what the focus will be today. And with that, I'm going to hand the reins over to you, AJ, to start us off in our back and forth by taking a look at the Anaheim roster. So what say you about the Ducks situation right now? Yeah, with the Ducks, I mean, the obviously, you know, they've got um, some of their, their kind of younger up-and-coming guys. Um, Sam Steele, Trevor Zegras, Max Jones are all in their COVID protocols right now. So you'll have them sidelined for a little bit here. Um, or actually Max Jones is an injury. I meant Maxime Comtois uh, is in the, the COVID protocols here for them. But um, I think the biggest concern for me with, with this lineup is the fact that Cam Fowler was injured last night yeah. uh, in that game, upper body injury, didn't return to the game. Uh, if it's out, if he's out for any length of time, you know, they're, They've avoided any problems among the defense for the most part. Uh, Josh Maher has been dealing with an upper body injury as well. But for the most part, the, the back end has been fine, um, the the front end. So, you know, if Fowler's out, they're going to need to do some shuffling around. They've already done that where Jacob Larson was – they carried a seventh defenseman last night because of those forward concerns. And so they've got a guy like Vinny Laterra on the top line with Ryan Getzlaff and Troy Terry – um, Isaac Ludstrom is getting a bigger role. He's in a, in a second line center spot with, with Milano and Raquel. Um, but the fact is, you know, they had to call, uh, guys like Buddy Robinson up from the minors to, to play in this game. So they're definitely thin outside of their top six and their top six is guys who normally wouldn't factor in there right now. 
Um, but I do think of everything going on with them right now, I th- you know, Cam Fowler's injury could have the most uh, impact if, if he's out for any length of time. And uh, you know what? We could say ditto for every team in the league, but we're going to go on <laughs> to take a look at the Arizona Coyotes, AJ. And we, I've maligned this depth at center all season long, but now even two of these guys are dealing with COVID, and that's Jay Beagle and Travis Boyd. I, I look at this roster, and I don't think they have a number, even a quality number two center in the lineup, even when healthy. Neither of those two guys qualify. They also have Christian Fisher out uh, among their uh, forward ranks, and uh, they're expecting all three of them to come back soon in, in the, early in the new year. And another name that's on the injured list is Jacob Chikrin. And I want to spend a moment talking about him. He's dealing with an upper body hurt right now, but he's also been the subject of a lot of trade rumors that I'm seeing here. And I think if if Arizona goes out and dangles him, they're going to get a, a ransom uh, because I think he's one of the better young uh power play specialist type of offensive-minded defenseman that's out there that nobody really talks about. And so I think that could be a real boon for a team to scoop him up. But I I think the cost would be a pretty penny. Ryan Zingle has been a bit of a disappointment here as well. He's now out with an upper body injury, similarly out for a couple of weeks. And he's already bounced around a couple of situations. I'm not going to say maybe he knew, needs to find a new place to play. I'm thinking this might be last chance saloon for a guy like him. If there's a positive indicator, it's that Carter Hutton might come back. I mean, Carter Hutton last year produced some of the worst statistics of any goalie, but I still think he's an upgrade over the the minor leaguers that have been forced to play for this club all season long. So there's a bit of a ray of optimism there, but it's a small one. And uh, the Coyotes right now, they're dealing with a lineup that, like I say, at center ice, it's a bit of a minefield there. but, but uh, one of the guys we love to talk about regularly is Phil Kessel, and he continues to find a way to produce points. He had a four-point night the other night in, in a wild shootout, so he, you can't just uh, turn away from the, uh, any roster in the league. There's guys producing, and right now Phil Kessel is one of those. In Boston, they went through a, a pretty significant chunk of the roster ending up in, in the league's protocols here, but um, with the exception of Charlie Coyle, they've got everybody back, so – um, Boston now one of the you know healthiest uh, healthiest teams in the league in terms of injury reports as as you can imagine if you go on to rotowire.com click on any of the team depth charts there's there's red all over the place except for Boston who like I said still don't have Char- Charlie Coyle back um, they did lose Jacob Zorbro for the rest of the season due to a knee injury um, that won't have a huge impact on them. You know, I wouldn't really have put him in their top four there on the blue line, but obviously it stretches the depth a little bit more than, than obviously they'd like. The other interesting thing is that, um, you know, they've got uh, Tuka Rask at practice pretty much every day um, skating with them. He's still not signed. I think technically he's serving as like their e-bug um, goaltender right now which seems a little unfair um, if they ever needed him. But, uh, yeah, so I, this is one of the teams that doesn't really have any changes. You know, top line, Marchand, Bergeron, Pasternak, Smith, Hollow, and Hall as the second group here. Uh, and they look ready and raring to go. I think it'll be interesting to see if they do decide to bring Rask into the fold, how that shuffles things up. Um, do they send Omar back so that Swayman continues to get some work? 
Um, Paul, I don't know what what uh, what is your take on the goaltending situation if they decide to bring Rask back? Well, I, I'm kind of glad you handed it back to me because I, before just before we went to air, and I forgot to mention it to you, I saw a note that he has been signed, but it hasn't been, hasn't been substantiated yet. I, I saw it from one uh, person that I follow uh, who's in the media, and and I need it, I need to see it by, from a couple of others before I say it's happened already. But there's talk that from this one contact uh, who's a respectable media type that that it's already in place so uh, if that's not happening they have a three-headed monster in the nets and and one of them is a big ticket uh, and and that's the guy i think that they might want to dangle in trade talks because quite frankly he has not been uh, very good uh, or as good as i thought he could be and i'm talking about olmark linus olmark there he put up some great numbers in buffalo and i thought when he was signed by boston the long-term deal uh, i thought this was a great fit but Swayman has played almost as well, and and you have to think if if Tuka Rask comes back, he's not coming back to be a bit player. So the Bruins could take a big swing and say, okay, let's let's deal Ulmark and see what we can do to bolster our lineup elsewhere. They have a little bit of room under the salary cap, so I think there is some possibility that we'll see some movement from Boston if Tuka Rask comes back, and particularly if, so if he is back to take on a big workload. Uh, over in Buffalo, of course, uh, there are a, a number of players that are dealing with COVID here too. They include Zengus Gergensens. They include uh, Jeff Skinner, who was having a pretty decent year. We've slagged on him for uh, poor production in the past, but he's been he's been scoring decently, I'll say. Certainly, still not the, to the level that makes you think he's he's worth the big ticket that they're paying him. But at least that gap has been narrowed. Uh, they also miss uh, Drake Kajula with an upper body injury. He, he may be back before the end, before their next game. Uh, Dylan Cousins, though, a, a, a guy that was performing very well, uh, and a guy that I've seen play a lot of junior. I talked about him in this on the show regularly. He's another one that's dealing with COVID, and he could be out for uh, a couple of weeks still because there are other complications that he's dealing with at the moment. So that's a big hit offensively for this team. They suffer defensively too because they're missing the tight like Colin Miller. And Robert Hag, two guys that are experienced NHLers, the depth on the blue line is very thin here. And so they have a myriad of issues. But uh, I think that uh, they're not looking to make the playoffs this year. They're trying to get players' experience in the top six. So we're seeing a bit of a changeover. And they're hoping to get a bit of a boost from the arrival uh, of Alex Tuck. This guy's a native of of the uh, upper New York uh, area, and he'll be an instant fan favorite here. We've talked about him in glowing terms with his aggressive style and his nose for the net. He and Tage Thompson are two-thirds of a top line that is all, already looking very credible as, as a, a top six component. And uh, if Skinner can continue to play that the way that he was earlier on, that's three very good pieces up front. And on the blue line, I like the way Rasmus Dalin has played this year. It was a bit of a, a tough ride for him last season during a very tough year for the Sabres, but he has bucked the trend here and, and Sean, uh, among all the debris that's gone on around him, uh, Uka Pekka Laukinen is getting a look in the nets too. That's a positive sign because many people have tabbed him as the goalie of the future. They brought in Malcolm Subban, a young guy who's bounced around a little bit. I think that's a better tandem than what they started out with, with Dustin Tokarski and the oldest goalie in the league, Craig Anderson. In Carolina, uh, the biggest concern for them, I think, at this point, they, they don't have a, a ton of players out on the COVID list, um, but there are some key ones. And Freddie Anderson, obviously, 
Uh, then Jasper Fass and Brendan Smith. They also have some non-COVID injuries, uh, something that feels like we don't get to talk about anymore um, mm-hmm. over the last couple of weeks. But Martin Neckash still recovering from a concussion. And Jalen Chatfield, uh, an undisclosed injury that landed him on injured reserve. For me, again, you know, if I'm pinpointing one big concern here, Neckash has been skating with the team uh, in a second-line role, so it looks like tentatively he'll be back um, for their next game. Uh, top line is intact, Nita Ryder, Ajo, Teravainen. But the fact that they won't have Freddie Anderson, or at least seemingly won't have Freddie Anderson at this point, um, is a red flag for me. You look at Antti Ranta's numbers this year, they're not terrible, 4-2-1 and one in eight outings, a, uh, a 9.07 save percentage. Uh, but, you know, Antti Ranta is not an every-night goaltender, in, in my opinion, and I think he, you know, needs that infrequency of, of being a backup. And, and so they need to hopefully get Freddie Anderson back sooner rather than later. Otherwise, I think it could be a rough uh, go of it for a couple games here for the Hurricanes. Well, the Calgary Flames are one team that really hasn't been hurt too much by COVID recently, uh, unless you count Daniel Vladar, who's had a nice experience there so far as the backup to Jacob Markstrom. He has done, he's got COVID and he's been dealing with it over the holidays. The hope is that he comes back into the roster early in the new year. But Jacob Markstrom is back uh, in uh, ready to take the bit again. He's played a couple of games since coming off of uh, injury issues earlier on. And uh, so I think their goaltending is going to be fine, just as it has been much of the season. It's been a really the backbone to the success that this team has emer- er- earned so far this season. But it's also because of that lights out first line, Johnny Gaudreau and Matthew Tuchuk having great years. Milan Lucic too, uh, out producing his last couple of seasons already. And the revelation that is Andrew Mangipani, before we talked about the Olympics going down the drain, he was on, uh, on the long list of players that had uh, made an impression enough to be considered. And it uh, was a real feel good story uh, among uh, the Cal- on the Calgary roster here. But also, I, I uh, talked a couple of times this season about the emergence of Rasmus Anderson as a power play quarterback of, with some degree of success here on the Flames lineup. And he and Noah Hanneman and Oliver Shillington is another guy. That's a trio of offensive-minded defensemen that they they didn't expect that they would get the kind of production they had from this trio this season. So that's another positive development here in Calgary. Yeah, to your point, Paul, I mean, really, um, in the grand scheme of things, the fact that they had 18 players at one point, I think it was 18, um, in the COVID protocols, and they, you know, because of the shutdowns and everything, they didn't actually miss any any games. Uh, Most of those guys, Daniel Vladder, still working his way back um, to 100%. It seems to be, uh, you know, the workload is obviously different, but I have noticed that it seems to be goalies take a little bit longer um, to get back up to speed after having been on the, the COVID list. Again, I think it's, you know, the, the workload that, that is required to be an NHL goaltender. So, yeah, they don't have ladder, but, but that's about it. Which And nobody missed any games despite, like I said, 18 guys. Um, somehow Matthew Tuchuk is like one of the guys that avoided, <laughs> avoided the, the COVID uh, situation there, which is just uh, kind of ironic if, if you think about it. Yeah. In Chicago – um, the big name that they've had hit by this is Marc-Andre Fleury, currently unavailable, which, again, that's a significant blow for them. Uh, Kevin Lankinen will get the start, possibly some games for Colin D'Elia, um, 
but without Flurry, you know, you don't you don't have your number one. Uh, and again, if it takes a little bit longer for him to get back up to speed, that'll be a problem for them. Hemrick Borgstrom is a is a name that he's been on IR for uh, a, a while with what they call the non-COVID illness. He missed four games before the shutdown, but he's been filling a first line role since uh, you know last couple of practices. So Chicago, it has had games postponed here. We haven't seen them play coming out of the uh, the Christmas break here. And so I think they're going to roll with him in, as the first-line center, uh, at least for a few games here. So he's definitely a player I'd keep an eye on. He'll be with the Brincat and Kane. And then Tyler Johnson, after un- undergoing what will probably become known as the Eichel surgery, um, has been skating with the team and, and is progressing in, in the right direction there as well. So it's kind of good news for Chicago, other than the fact they don't have the flower right now. And then I'm going to talk about the Columbus Blue Jackets next, AJ. And uh, they have uh, one of their players that's emerged uh, in a bit of a breakout season. Oliver Bjorkstrand has uh, recently been reported to the, to the COVID list. So that's a tough blow for them, losing a key piece offensively. And Eunice Corpusalo is out uh, with something that's deemed not injury-related and it's not serious, So uh, apparently. So he'll be back. On, they're expecting that New Year's Day. Uh, that, those are the key aspects. And you could throw in Dean Kukan is more of a depth defenseman dealing with a wrist injury, and he too is considered day-to-day. So uh, all things considered, not too bad on the uh, injury front for Columbus. And uh, Patrick Laine is a guy that we didn't mention in the injured list. And it looks like he's going to be good to go after missing a substantial amount of time. And I'm curious to see what he brings to this team after a lengthy absence that he's endured in a very troubling season for him. Uh, on and off the ice, lost his father. That was a tough blow for him. And uh, Boone Jenner and Jacob Voracek will fill out that top unit. Voracek's been a guy that surprised me in, the fa- in two ways. I knew he was a good puck distributor and playmaker, and I expected him to produce, but he's gone beyond on, the, on that side of it. He just hasn't scored much, so the goal-scoring totals are way down for him. But uh, I'm optimistic that now he's he's playing first-line minutes, and uh, I've lamented the situation for him in the past when in Philadelphia he was often a third-line winger in attempts to stretch the lineup. This guy's supposed to be a top-six player, and he's shown to me that he's still capable of doing that this season. And uh, they got two-thirds of a pretty good second line in place with Jack Roslovich, who has come over from Philadelphia, AJ, uh, from Winnipeg, AJ, and and he's been a very good offensive producer for this club from the time he set, uh, took put the sweater on. So he and Max Domi are being counted on to fill out uh, two-thirds of that second line. And the beneficiary in the, in the short term is Gregory Hoffman. So he's a guy you want to keep an eye on. If you want to fill out rosters and maybe stack this team in a favorable matchup, you'll probably get Hoffman very cheap, and uh, the other two guys shouldn't cost you a ton. And that could be a very productive forward unit. Well, just to clarify on, on uh, Corpusalo there, so uh, it looks like this morning he was cleared to go back to practice but won't be dressing for, for their next game. And so um, that's kind of why that, that injury designation is on there. Um, again, it's just about ramping up that uh, fitness level after having missed time uh, for, for COVID. So in Colorado, they'll get Miko Rantanen, and Logan O'Connor back. Both of those guys cleared the COVID protocols today um, and will suit up in their next game. And then for 
for them, that really leaves them, you know, Landeskog, McKinnon, and Rantanen are all together, which hasn't happened a ton this season. So I would expect Colorado to go back to producing pretty heavily moving forward. If there's one player that maybe doesn't benefit from that, it's Nazem Kadri. With those guys varying degrees of out, he's gotten some time uh, on on their line, but uh, I wouldn't uh, suggest you know his numbers are going to significantly drop off because along with Kale McCarr, the, he makes up the four uh, the five pack on that number one power play unit, so he'll still get opportunities to play with those top guys, maybe just not as often as he had been. Um, I do also really like uh, you know that second line of of Kadri, Burakovsky, and Nanushkin. I think they can produce while also playing with a little bit of physicality. Though it also looks like Bowen Byram is trending in the right direction, and he could return to the lineup here at some point. Uh, he's dealing with a head head injury. He's out of the non-contact jersey, and and could be back in action sooner rather than later. And if there's a team that really didn't benefit from the timing of COVID to their roster, it's the Dallas Stars. AJ, you look at the number of players that have been diagnosed. Uh, uh, after Christmas. It's a lengthy list that includes the likes of Jamie Benn, Radic Faxa, uh, Yanni Hockenpah, Miro Heiskin, and Rupe Hintz, uh, Michael Raffle, Jason Robertson, a lot of uh, key, and uh, R- Ryan Sutter. These are a number of these guys key to their uh, fortunes for any level of success. So I, I think you're going to see a lot of guys. Uh, stepping in for them in the near term that are going to make this a lineup. You have to go out and get a a program to understand who's playing where right now. Uh, (laughs) Among the healthy guys, the only names that you'll recognize are Pavelski, Sagan, Radulov, and uh, Denis Gurionov. The rest all have injury designations up front. So that's a team that I will shy away from uh, in DFS, but I might, if they're forced to play, I might, look to see which goalie's facing them. And that could be where you really make out big time because uh, the stars will be challenged uh, because of the, the recency of so many of the, the diagnoses to COVID on this roster. In Detroit, they're, again, they're on the opposite spectrum. They've gotten guys uh, back kind of consistently every day to the point where um, the only player they're still missing due to COVID concerns is Nick Letty. Of course, they are still... Uh, without Troy Stetcher due to wrist injury uh, and Jacob Vrana, both of, with a shoulder injury, both those guys probably not back until February at this point. Um, obviously, you know, Stetcher could maybe get some games that he otherwise wasn't going to because of the, the break during February. So they might have some rescheduled games. So uh, possible that he plays sooner than, than he otherwise would have for that break. But uh, aside from, you know, those those three names, everybody is back and ready to go for them. Again, top line, Bertuzzi, Larkin and Raymond. I don't see any reason that that's going to change at any point. Um, the, and even the, the second line, I think, is pretty secure in their spots here. You've got Nemesnikov, Pius Sutter and Robbie Fabry. I mean, maybe Phillips, the Dana challenges a little bit for, uh, you know, for Fabry or if Nemesikov goes on one of his signature slumps. Um, but for the most part, I think their top six is pretty set where it is back end. The offensive guys are going to be, uh, Cider and, and Hronik, um, both of whom have, you know, pretty good numbers and we'll see power play time. The pipes should still be split. I think for the most part, uh, with with Neta Djokovic getting a little bit more of the action, 
Um, actually, you know what? Now that I pulled it up, now that I said that, Paul, I look at their last 12 games, it's actually – or 14 games, it's been pretty much all Nadelkovic. So, you know, right. Matt, for, forget what I said about split. They split early <laughs> in the season, but he's taken over, um, taken over pretty significantly there. So – um, but I wouldn't rule Thomas Grice out to get some games here or there, especially if Nedeljkovic throws up a couple stinkers in a row here. They 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 still have Grice. He's a veteran. He knows what he's doing. Uh, over in Edmonton, they've played since uh, Christmas, and uh, they did so without Zach Cassian and Yessi Pugliarvi, two guys that have spent some time in their top six. But they have enough depth that they have – Filled in around those two absences. Warren Fogle is getting a look on Connor McDavid's left wing alongside Zach Hyman. So he's a guy that I want to highlight as a real good value play going forward as long as he gets that plum assignment. Kyler Yamamoto has not had a very good offensive season, but he's retaining a role alongside Leon Dreisaitl. They've been paired together for long stretches ever since Yamamoto was in this roster. But he isn't, he's a guy I don't trust, AJ. He hasn't produced with regularity and despite the fact that he's with Dreisaitl and Nugent Hopkins, I shy away from a guy like this until he shows me a little bit of something, at least Warren Fogel, I can t- I can say he scored in the past and he's in a really good opportunity. So why not? That, that's where I differentiate, differentiate, differentiate between him and Kyler Yamamoto, two different situations, just because the results are there in one case and not in the other on the back end. Uh, they managed to produce a six pack of, players that have experience in the NHL. So they're steady there. But with the news out of Boston, I want to put this thought out there, AJ. Mike Smith is back, and he's a forty uh, around 40 years of age. Miko Koskinen has struggled again this season to prove that he's a viable option. Maybe that's a, a possible trade partner situation if Ken Holland thinks enough of, of the situation to – pull the trigger and maybe take the big contract out of Boston's net mining situation that I described earlier. This is one area that uh, might be an interesting fit. For the Panthers, uh, it looks, you know, looks pretty good on, on terms of the roster here. When you consider the fact that they're, you know, kind of scratch uh, line, their fifth line, if you will, consists of Frank Vetrano, Joe Thornton, and Owen Tippett, I mean, that's a pretty solid group of guys who would be, you know, bottom six on on any other team. So the the depth that this club has to put out there is is really solid. It's led by the fact that they got Alexander Barkov back um, again from an, another uh, another kind of stint on the sidelines. He played last night and uh, no points in that one, just two shots on goal. But I expect him to kind of start rolling here. You know, you look back prior to that game, he had scored in 11 straight games, although they were broken up by, like I said, a couple of injury absences here. But so getting Barkov back is a huge boost to them. It allows them to really have, you know, Verhage, Barkov, Duclair as one line, Huberto, Bennett, and Reinhardt as the second. And then the rest of the group can kind of shuffle in and out. Um, you know, maybe you use Vitrano and Thornton in one game, you use Anton Lindell and, and Maxine Mammon in another, depending on everybody's strengths and weaknesses there. So I really like this team's depth. Um, they've got Mackenzie Wieger, Aaron Ekblad back as their top pairing as well. But Roski, uh, Johansson and Knight still running a three pack right now on uh, in goal, but it seems to all be working for them. 
And in Los Angeles, they're a team that has only a couple of issues with the COVID situation. Dustin Brown, the veteran right winger, will be missing from their top line for a couple more days, they hope. And the same with Oli Mata, who is one of your favorites, I know, uh, on the blue line there, AJ. Uh, he continues to confuse me because I thought this guy as oodles of talent, but he has not shown it for the last time. You thought wrong, years. Paul. You thought wrong. Yeah. They're, they're, <laughs> I think the the jury's come back with their verdict, and it's not there for him, but still uh, an experienced body missing from the back end, and you compound that with the fact that they're missing two other veteran guys uh, with n- non-COVID issues, a lower body hurt for Alex Edler that will keep him up for another week or so, and Sean Walker is dealing with, with a knee injury, he'll be lost to the team for the balance of this season. So that's a, a crippling blow for this blue line here. And in place of these guys, they have made some substitutions. Thomas Bjornfoot is a guy who has had some traction with this club and, and been somewhat of a, uh, a positive con- contributor. But they're waiting to see what they have in the likes of Christian Wolanin and Sean Dursey. Dursey was a minor leaguer in the Leaf system, but a trade piece that they moved over. And so uh, both those guys have have uh, positive resumes in terms of what they've done in the minors, but now they're challenged to do it on the big leagues, and that's one-third of your defense defensive structure in, in Los Angeles. So it's really putting more pressure on uh, Drew Doughty, who is back and healthy and having a fine year for, for the Kings. And I think he would have made Team Canada based on what he's done so far this season. That's how good he's been. In the Nets, Jonathan Quick has been the guy that surprised me in tandem there, AJ. He's been lights out as a goalie this season with solid numbers uh, all across the board. But you can't say that uh, same thing about his partner in the Nets, Cal Peterson. He was a guy that they chose over the guy that's playing in that in Toronto with some degree of success, Jack Campbell. And uh, boy, I, I think they'd like to have that pick back and to reconsider because Peterson has certainly uh, taken a big step backwards over what he showed last season. So uh, a bit of a Spocky and I there in that goaltending situation. But up front, very healthy look on, the, on their, their offense. They're missing Andreas Athanasio as well on the IR. And Philip Deneau is uh, low on the totem pole, but by all accounts, healthy and ready to resume. So uh, all hands are back on deck. Alex Turcotte is the guy that they brought up from the minors to fill in. And so when Dano is deemed healthy enough, I think Turcotte will be the guy that's sacrificed from the top six there. But Victor Arvidsson has been a nice fit. Trevor Moore has enjoyed life back in in an area that he calls home. So some some good storylines there below the first line. And I've talked about Alex Iafalo for years uh, on our podcast, AJ, wondering when he was going to develop into a top six player. He did so last year, and he's followed up with another nice season this season. And Adrian Kemp, you can, you can say the same thing about him. And uh, it's no wonder that they're doing well. They're getting to play with one of the best two-way centers in hockey, and Anze Kopitar, who's having a resurgence himself. Well, if you're looking for a team that may benefit uh, from this this change from 10 days to five, I, I look no further than the Minnesota Wild. By They're still trying to figure this out. It's not for sure. But early indications are they might get Jonas Broden back in time for the Winter Classic uh, this weekend on Saturday. So that would be a huge boost to them, especially when you consider uh, they just announced today Jared Spurgeon is going to be out uh, for multiple weeks. Same with Joel Erickson-Eck. So they're losing two um, two kind of big pieces for them. So obviously if they could get Broden back sooner rather than later, that will help their defense. Um, obviously 
Uh, I think Dmitry Kulikov or Jordy Ben will be in line uh, for that top four spot with Spurgeon unavailable. Um, but ultimately, you know, Brodeen will get the bulk of, you know, the extra minutes that might have otherwise gone Spurgeon's way. As I mentioned with Joel Erickson Eckhout, Nico Sturm, the most likely to slide into that second line center role alongside Kevin Fialo and Marcus Foligno. But I would put his hold on that as tenuous as best. I mean, Freddie Gaudreau could be an option there. Victor Rask has played center. Um, they could use Nick Bukestad in that spot. Obviously, he's uh, played plenty of center in his career. So they have options. They have choices. Jordan Greenway also dealing with a day-to-day injury right now. So that'll be a question mark there for uh, for them as well. AJ, I get to talk about the Montreal Canadiens this week. And uh, the mean part of me would like to say, Good on them. They're, they have the lengthiest injury list and COVID list, and uh, but I can't do it. Uh, this team has suffered so much in terms of injuries and losses due to COVID this season that I can't I can't continue to beat down on them. I stopped it a couple of weeks ago. In fact, it just seems like beating a dead horse here. When you consider not only is Carey Price out with his uh, personal situation, but now Jake Allen has joined him in the with his COVID protocol situation, even the reinforcement in that net Caden Primo, Primo is down. So they're really looking for help anywhere they can find it to fill out the goalie part of their roster. Ben Sherratt's a guy that I thought was going to be dangled around the trade deadline. Still might, but he's dealing with COVID right now. And uh, Mike Hoffman, a guy who's under underperformed uh, offensively, I thought this guy was going to be a nice fit among their top six. He's now in COVID protocol. Arturi Lekkonen, who scored some important goals for this team last year, not having the year like that at all. And now he's on the COVID list. And so it just goes on and on. And you throw in Jeff Petrie, who's having a season from hell, and now he's in the COVID protocol. So a lot of guys that were down already now find themselves in the COVID protocol. So that just makes a bad situation worse for them. Uh, of course, they missed Shea Weber from day one. But Tyler Toffoli is another veteran guy that – that they were hoping for his leadership to prevail here this season. And he's out for a lengthy period of time with a hand injury. That's a, that's a tough blow as well. So this team is in a shambles right now. And really, uh, the talk is they're, they're odds on to be last in the NHL. And it's hard to find a team that has as decimated a roster and as poor an outlook as, as any other team in, in the NHL. Well, in New Jersey, I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, mostly healthy guys. You know, the, the couple of pieces that they're missing, um, you know, Jimmy VC, kind of a bottom six guy for them right now. Jonathan Bernier, their backup goalie. Um, you know, they, they've, got, they've got Blackwood healthy. They've got, uh, you know, John Gillies, who they picked up, is also out. So I guess maybe backup goalie is a little bit of a question mark. Miles Wood has been out for a while, so that's nothing new for them. Uh, and, you know, I, similar to kind of what you were saying about some of those other guys, like my initial reaction was like, oh, Thomas Tatar being out, you know, that's obviously a, a hit for them. But you consider the fact that he's got just two points in his last eight games before ending up on the COVID list. Like, I don't know what they're really missing out of him right now. Right. So New Jersey, um, you know, healthy, um, but I think still going to struggle. You know, and for them, I think it's really just putting everything together is their biggest uh, issue right now. Um, you know, Nico Heischer, Jack Hughes have missed time and kind of getting everybody up to speed. Um, they've got a, just a ton of talent on this team. And I, I, I would expect 
maybe not this year, but next year, I would expect New Jersey to definitely be in the mix for a playoff spot. Uh, the Nashville Predators are going to be without their signature player, Robin Yossi, on the blue line here. The captain has been diagnosed with COVID. Ditto for Thomas Novak and Colton Sissons. So two of those guys, veterans of this club, will be significant losses going forward. And uh, you, you can expect them back within 10 days if all goes well. And that's really the extent of the injury issues on this roster. Philip Forsberg has reprised his role as one of the league's top snipers, done it quietly without much fanfare. But the, the fact that Duchesne and Johansson have rediscovered their offensive games has really made this team more than the afterthought that they were in prior seasons for me. I take a longer look now when it comes to DFS play and figure what, when can I stack this the first line for sure. Eli Tolvanen has been a credible piece on the second line as well. So it's the right wing on the third, the second line that is an interesting proposition for me, and that's Luke Kunin's job to lose right now. He's another guy, a veteran player, who's been producing some offense, and I think I can trust him to be a low-end pickup in DFS play if I'm sacking that second line instead. And so it's a pretty good look on the top six there. And on the back end, we've talked about this defense for years, but it's been a bit of a weak spot this season. They've weakened the, their depth here. Certainly without Josie, that's going to take a hit. But Felipe Myers has not been what the doctor ordered here either. I thought he was a young defenseman that they plucked out of Philadelphia and would really thrive here in in. Uh, uh, on a club that really does well to develop defensemen and really let them shine. But the pressure is on Matthias Ekholm, who re- recently signed a long-term deal here. He, for years, had one of the better deals uh, economy-wise versus production in the entire league. But uh, his production has gone down a tick, and he's going to start costing this team more starting next season. So uh, the pressure's on him to lead this group as long as Josie and Myers are out of the lineup. And Dante Fabro is a guy to watch as a guy who might get more of a run. And people have been waiting for him to take the next step in, uh, on the defense. In goal, uh, it's been a good year for UC Saros taking the reins as the number one. And David Rich has been a serviceable number two. So that remains a positive aspect on this club. So oddly enough, it's the defense that is the, it's the pro- trouble spot right now in Nashville. We mentioned finding teams to stack against, and and right now I think you have to consider um, loading up against the Islanders. Even tonight when it's Buffalo that's playing against them, uh, you know, Buffalo has their their own issues and concerns, but you look at this Islanders lineup right now, um, we have three lines available. Obviously, they'll they'll add some guys off the taxi squad here. They'll they'll fill out a lineup. Um, But, you know, Matt Martin, Casey Sigzikas, and Cal Clutterbuck, might be the best fourth line in hockey, um, but they're certainly not the best third line in hockey. Uh, and, and they're not offensively, you know, offensively gifted. Um, and so now you've got, you know, even this second line looks a little light. Jean-Gabriel Pajot will have to carry the load with Ross Johnson and Kiefer Bellows. They've got Anders Lee, Barzell, and Bailey for, for a first line here, but – um, you know, Bolivier, Nelson, Wallstrom, Parisi, Palmieri, these are all significant names that are out for one reason or another right now. The back end is fully fit and, and ready to go with the exception of Ryan Pollock, but we've known that one for a while as he, you know, deals with that lower body injury that's kept him out since mid-November. Uh, the goaltenders, Sorokin and Varlamov, both available and ready for them. But uh, I would consider utilizing Buffalo tonight. Um, especially, you know, that's not going to be a play probably that's done too often. Um, 
you know, some people might consider it as well, but Buffalo is never a team that's going to be heavily stacked. So you could maybe get a bit of a contrarian mix in terms of your drafted percentage tonight. And with the New York Rangers, AJ, not too much to report in terms of problem spots here. Certainly there's a couple of young defensemen that are out of lineup with COVID. So that's a short-term concern, but they got it earlier on in this break and could be back fairly soon. I'm talking about Ryan Lindgren and Jared Tenorti. Apart from that, they're going to miss Alexander Georgiev, who was the backup uh, goalie and was not seeing a lot of ice time recently with Igor Shosturkin uh, having such a great year in the Nets. But you want to have a good number, too. They actually have insurance in that position with Keith Kincaid, who, whenever he's been called upon for short stretches, has really bailed the Rangers out of some some tight spots with the goalies, other goalies hurt. So pretty good goalie insurance there overall. Uh, the depth on defense has been challenged, as I suggested, but the opportunity is for uh, a guy like Patrick Nemeth, who has been uh, an NHL-type defenseman before, to get more ice time here. Libor Hayek, the same thing applies to him, and Nils Lundqvist, younger than the other two guys, but also has had a bit of a cup of coffee here. So all in all, not a terrible situation on the blue line. Up front, they're still looking for some better production from Alexis Lafreniere. He's been dropped to third-line left-wing status when you consider that he's been competing for ice time with Kreider and Panarin, even if he improves his game, those are two tough guys to leapfrog, and maybe he's better served to switching over to the right wing, which is a little thinner. Capo Caco has been a streaky scorer there and probably the only one who, of the four with any kind of a scoring upside. So while the, defense, the left wing looks loaded, it's the right side that's a trouble spot here with the likes of Dryden Hunt, Julian Gauthier, filling out the right wing. I, I like their center depth. Mika Zibanejad uh, is down a tick in terms of his scoring this season. Ryan Strom has started to pick it up most recently. So a nice one-two. Philip Petel is uh, a youngster who's getting third-line reps and probably well-suited there. And Barkley Goodrow, uh, a real good fit as a fourth-line center, a disturber guy, a guy who's very difficult to play against. So, again, this looks like a situation where, to me, the concern right now is on the blue line and on Broadway. Well, in Ottawa, things are mostly uh, all all firing. Uh, for them, you've got a, a full forward complement, other than, again, some guys that we knew we were going to miss some time, and Colin White uh, with a shoulder injury. Shane Pinto is out until, like, April with an upper body uh, injury as well. Nikita Zaitsev with a heel problem. Uh, Josh Brown, upper body issue for him. All of those guys on injured reserve. They did have some question marks about the goaltending. Uh, they still have Forsberg in the COVID protocols. Gustafsson is at least out, which did uh, force them to call up Matt Murray. It'll be interesting to see if they give him a chance to get that first win this season or if they're going to roll uh, with Gustafsson their next time out. I do think it was interesting, uh, Paul, and I'd like maybe your take on this, uh, uh, the fact that they canceled uh, or postponed, rather, a number of games in Canada that had other teams coming to town uh, for revenue reasons. I, I, I applaud the NHL, honestly, for just being upfront about it. Like, look, these teams don't make money when there's less uh, capacity available, so we're going to push these games back. You know, for Ottawa, uh, look, I don't want to toot my team's horn here, but the Penguins were coming to town. A chance to see Sidney Crosby, that's a game that's always going to draw heavily compared to, you know, if St. Louis was coming in, into town. I don't know that St. Louis has a whole lot of appeal in Ottawa. 
Um, I could be wrong. Maybe I'm wrong about that. But um, so, yeah, it was interesting to see that these games were postponed from a from a financial standpoint. I think it's the right call to do. Um, these teams don't need another year of low capacity, you know, ticket sales. So I don't know, Paul, did you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I do. You mentioned the Ottawa hosting Pittsburgh. That's a great example to highlight, AJ. Right now in Canada, the, the limit is 50 percent of attendance is maximum. And so they didn't want to miss out on the gate with Sid the Kid and company coming to town. And that's the reason they postponed that game and others like it north of the border to really get the benefit of of a full house more often than not. Because it's a year that they hoped where revenues would rise to a point where they could justify an increase in the salary cap. That would certainly make things a little easier for teams to acquire uh, more players and move money around uh, in the offseason. We always enjoy that period. But right now there's a lot of teams that are cap strapped and uh, they're looking for every way that they can make all clubs benefit from having more money to spend. And that's really all that was behind a decision like this. And, and really a, a signature game was the one that we both just talked about. Ottawa would fill the place and, and why, why waste a Sydney Crosby visit on a half full arena? That's the, that's the logistics that, that really fill that whole uh, comment out very quickly. In uh, terms of Philadelphia's situation, they haven't had the year that their cross-state rivals had by any stretch of the imagination, and my partner's pretty happy about that, I know. But right now, they're, going, they're a team that's been very decimated by uh, the COVID situation most recently, and so they're going to feel the impact in the upcoming week because of the likes of Sean Couturier, first-line center, uh, Carter Hart, first-string goalie, Scott Lawton, a very useful top six player most of the season, out with COVID. And then you pair them with, with veterans Samuel Morin, Nate Thompson. They're, they're dealing with knee and shoulder issues, respectively. So a legitimate injury bug, as well as uh, COVID impact. Ryan Ellis, another key part of their blue line, will be missing. And Derek Broussard, who's had some a bit of a resurgence most recently, he's out with a hip injury. So some legitimate hurts. Not to say COVID is illegitimate, but you know what I mean. It's more of a physical thing than an overall COVID impact that has decimated this roster. It's given Oscar Lindblom a chance to get back into a top-line role. He's got a nice spot to be in, and they moved Claude Giroux back to uh, center position where he used to be prior to the last couple of seasons where he's played the wing. So Lindblom, alongside Giroux and Atkinson, looks to me to be a very, very good DFS value play in the near term. And you can say the same thing for Joel Farabee, who's had a streaky start to his career, but he's got a nice spot beside Kevin Hayes and Travis Konechny, who's starting to find the net with a little more regularly, regularity than he had earlier in the season. I also have to speak up for the third line because I, I'm familiar with two-thirds of that. Morgan Frost is a, a recent first-round pick. He's getting a bit of a run now with the fact that there is room on the roster to give him uh, legitimate playing time. He's got a veteran on his left side, James Van Riemsdyk, who's more of a power play specialist, but Frost would do well to work as best as he can with a guy who has a re- real good nose for the net. Both these guys have an offensive upside that they can get it together. On the back end, Ivan Provorov has had a tough start this season, AJ, but he has picked up his game most recently, and that's great news for them because they need him with the failure, I'll say, of Rasmus Ristolainen and even Keith Yandel to live up to the offensive expectations that I had for them. I thought this was going to be a real potent defensive group, but the the new additions 
had really not lived up to the billing that I had for them. And you've ca- you had Provorov's early struggles. It's no wonder they're struggling to find their way this season so far. Marty Jones hasn't been the the, the uh, red flag that I thought he was going to be here. He's been a little better than advertised, but he's slotted in behind Carter Hart, who himself has had a bit of a rejuvenated season after a, a tough start. But seems to have had his name his game back in order but now he's taking a backward step with this covid protocol situation so uh more negative than positive in the philadelphia circumstance i'll have to say and uh, it's at this point we usually take a break and we will again today for uh, a word from our sponsors and we'll be back to fill out fill you in on the last 12 teams that we haven't talked about yet and of course we have our dfs place uh, to recommend as we resume action this week. So uh, let's take a pause here and we'll be back. You're listening to Statsman and AJ on podcast. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Okay, we're back, and uh, let's have a word now from that main sponsor at Owner's Box. Over to you, AJ. Yeah, are you looking for a new way to play fantasy sports? Owner's Box offers two game types, tournament salary cap and head-to-head live drafts. All new players receive a $25 bonus when they deposit $10 or more on the platform. Be sure to check out Owner's Box's new Super Flex Salary Cap Game, a revolutionary new way to play fantasy football that brings a strategic alternative to the traditional season-long formats and daily fantasy games. The Superflex Salary Cap format, available only on Owner's Box, removes the kicker and defensive position slots and focuses only on offensive players. Users will build their nine-player lineup while staying under the $50,000 salary cap. Large prize pools will be available throughout the season. The Superflex position gives the user the option to select an additional quarterback, running back, wide receiver, or tight end, and ultimately makes the quarterback a premium position versus other fantasy formats. And don't worry, listeners, Owner's Box also has NHL contests, including GPP tournaments for their unique one-week fantasy format. Play the Owner's Box Salary Cap Contest for free. Use promo code DREW9, that's D-R-E-W, the number nine, for a free $10 entry into the Sunday-only Salary Cap Contest. All right, and now it's time for a reminder for our listeners in terms of how to get in touch with us during the week. You heard off the top that a few people did reach out, and we encourage you to send your comments or questions that you may have about fantasy hockey and your teams, particularly in such a turbulent season as this. You can reach me on Twitter at eight at uh, Statsman22, and you can reach AJ at AJSchultz24. We'll be happy to share the best questions on our upcoming pods, too. Now it's up to my partner to bring us up to speed on what's happening with his favorite club, the Pittsburgh Penguins, AJ. Well, look, there's uh, a handful of players uh, on the, on the COVID protocol list that uh, all got hit coming out of uh, coming out of the Christmas break. But look, that's not what people in the steel city are going to be concerned about right now. The fact of the matter is based on practices this Saturday, we could see not only the return of Jake Denso, but also Brian Rust, which would give Pittsburgh a top line of Gensel, Crosby, Rust, something we haven't seen too much of this season. Oh, and not to mention Evgeny Malkin's return appears to be around the corner, likely next week. He ruled himself out for that Saturday game, so I'm going to have to wait a little bit longer before I can put that Malkin sweater back on, but it's coming around the corner here. Um, They are going to miss Jason Zucker for a couple weeks, you know, Tristan Jari is one of the players on COVID protocols right now. Um, but again, you know, the, the key factor here is that Gensel and Rust are set to be back in the lineup and Malkin uh, eventually at some point next week. It's it's looking things coming up roses for Pittsburgh right now, barring any additional problems here. That was in the final Christmas present under the tree of the Shoals residence, I'm sure. <laughs> AJ in uh, San Jose, uh, their backup goalie, Aiden Hill, 
is one of a couple of players dealing with COVID in the latter part of the Christmas holidays. Jonathan Dahlin was another one. Left This left winger has had a bit of a nice run uh, recently, uh, an unexpected contributor to their offense, so they'd like to get him back as soon as possible. You can say the same thing with Rudy Balsers. He's dealing with a lower body injury. It's speculated that he'll be back within the next week as well. Nikolai Knizov is also out with a lower body injury. He was getting some traction on the blue line here and impressed some people. And he'll be out for a few weeks before he gets back in there. And the long-term injury of note is Kevin LeBanc, a guy who's been a top six winger here in stretches in the past, out with a shoulder injury until February 24th, a big day on our calendars. AJ, for other reasons, I'll say that. <laughs> in terms of the depth on this roster, Alex Alexander Barabanov. This guy was a fourth-line winger with the Leafs a couple of years ago when he broke into the NHL. And he came in with for a minimum salary, and I thought uh, he's got bust written all over him for him. But he's had a much better time in San Jose and parlayed that success into first line minutes most recently, alongside Logan Couture and Timo Meyer. So a pretty good value play there in DFS. But the second line is a bit of a mess, and uh, that's because of some of the other the other injuries that I mentioned. So Thomas Hurdle is going to be playing a helicopter line. Uh, that's because of a bit of a knock against the quality of his wingers. Jaden Halbguax and Noah Gregor uh, are on the wings there. I haven't got much to say about the left winger, but Gregor has been up there in the past uh, in short spurts. But uh, Hurdle can drive a line all by himself. He'll be challenged to do that again here. And uh, they've given Nick Bonino more experienced wingers to round, to kind of stretch this offense here. He's playing with Andrew Cogliano and Matt Nieto on the third line. So I would have to say the third line looks better than the second one here and that's not a knock against hurdle at all on the back end they've had a very nice year out of mario ferraro he's partnered successfully with brent burns and he leads the league in the common terms of the sum of hits and block shots or he's one of the leaders there when you add the sum of those two if those that impact your fantasy scoring on season-long play eric carlson's had a rejuvenation aj and uh, no longer a black hole on the back end here defensively as well his plus minus is much more respectable than it has been in years and that's made life more pleasant for james reimer who i'm happy to report reached the 400 game plateau recently and did so in a season where his goals against is a career low a career best for him so there are some positive indicators here but they'll be challenged because of the uh, lack of depth up front with uh, the injured parts at the moment one uh, Seattle with the league's newest franchise, um, mostly good news in terms of the, the COVID front. A few guys, Ryan Donato, Mason Appleton and Vince Dunn unavailable right now. Um, but Brandon Tanev suffered an ACL tear and will be done for the remainder of the season. Now you figure generally speaking, a six to nine month recovery on that one. So Tanev should be back and ready to go next year. Um, it may not seem like a major injury, you know, at, at first at first glimpse here, but you have to factor in Tanev uh, gives them the ability to have a third scoring line, in my opinion, because of his speed. That speed is also a huge factor on the penalty kill. Uh, so without him, they'll, they'll miss some of that tenacity as well. Um, so I, I think it might be a bigger loss than than some people might think. Uh, obviously, you know, I got firsthand look at him last year when he was with Pittsburgh, but, but I do think this is a significant, um, significant issue for Seattle. Maybe not quite the same level as if they lost, you know, Jane Schwartz or Jordan Eberle, 
Um, but it's, it's not a minor injury uh, or a minor guy that, that got injured here. Um, def, you know, between the pipes, uh, we're going to see, I think, a pretty good mix moving forward. Uh, actually, Chris Dreger is going to go tonight. Um, you know, the part of the problem here with this team is they, they went heavy in, uh, in Grubauer for a while. Right before the shutdown, they'd gone a couple games in a row to uh, to to Dreger. There've been some injury concerns in there, and I really don't think we're going to see you know a heavy workload the rest of the way for either guy. I, I think Dreger's shown enough to maybe get some more of that share. Now, is it going to be fifty fifty? Probably not, um, but I wouldn't be surprised if you did like two games for Grubauer, one for Dreger, some kind of combination of that. I just don't expect to see Grubauer be an every single night guy like he has been for the early part of this season. In St. Louis, the most troubling bit of news is the fact that they've been out with, without Braden Shen for the last four games. He's dealing with an upper body hurt, but the good news is that his return is expected sometime within the next week or so. So that would leave their offense intact, their defenses taking a bit of a blow with depth player Robert Tuzo out with COVID. So he too should be back within a week. The best news of all for this club is that they got Jordan Bennington back and he excelled in a victory against Edmonton that I watched last night. He looked in top form, made one of the highlight reel saves of the season during the course of the contest too. AJ, I hope you get a look at it, but you'll see it on, on the best of, I'm sure, when it rolls around uh, on your TV dials. Ville Huso uh, is a, a goalie that has gone the other way. He's now dealing with a lower body hurt. He uh, and and Bennington both gave way on the depth chart, though, to call up uh, in Charlie Lindgren, who's had an outstanding run as an emergency loan from the minor league team to help the goaltending situation. He not only helped, he was, uh, he was brilliant in the Nets, but I don't think they'll be able to retain him because he's on an emergency call-up and he'll have to go right back down as soon as Huso is healthy. And the only way he gets back in that spot is if they move one of the other two guys. And I don't think that's happening anytime soon. So we're looking at a team that is getting offensive output from the familiar names of Ryan O'Reilly, Brendan Saad, and David Perron. Saad's been a great fit with the other two guys, but these are three veterans who make it a, a bit of a grind to play against them every night, and they have such great skill. But that, they're complemented by a second line that's emerging with Robert Thomas, who gained his fame with a strong playoff run during their cup-winning season, and he's parlayed that into a second-line role here and working very well with Vladimir Tarasenko and Pavel Buknevich on a very strong second unit. Jordan Cairo has also had a bit of a breakout campaign uh, he's been an impact guy on their power play as well, and uh, he's getting good minutes now in the third line role with Tyler Bozak, another veteran pivot who uh, makes the top three uh, center lines look pretty good here. The center positions look really good here and in good, ha- capable hands. Clint Costin is a guy that's getting a look on the right wing on the third line because Ivan Barbershaw has been in and out of the lineup. He had a very nice run offensively recently, so we're looking for him to get back up and up and running soon. That gives him a very nice look offensively. And on the back end there, there's no slouches here either, really, when you consider that apart from Bertuzzo, they're healthy as well. Colton Pareko's had a nice season. Justin Falk has really found his legs here. And uh, Tory Krug starting to get acclimatized as well after a long time in Boston. So that's three very good offensive pieces on the back end. And you partner in Marco Scandella. That's a pretty nice four-pack five when you get Bortuzzo in as a veteran. No wonder Jordan Bennington uh, and Billy Uso feel good about being behind this uh, depth offensively and defensively. It's a pretty good team, AJ.
Well, what's the worst, you know, nightmare situation, I think, uh, for teams that are, are going to have to play games at this point, you know, because of COVID, um, is that both your netminders might be out. And that is the case with the Tampa Lightning, as they will be without Andre Vasilevsky or Brian Elliott for a second game in a row here. And that means Max Legasse is taking uh, the, the starts here for them. Um, if the name doesn't sound that familiar to you, that's because he's played three NHL games over the last, uh, let me do my math here, four seasons. Wow. Um, had 16 games back in 27-18 with Vegas. I think that was during, like, Flurry got hurt, and then somebody, like, it was during that stretch where every single goalie they had got hurt. It was before they had Robin Leonard on the team. Uh, and so, yeah, that that's his only really extended run. Um, gave up four goals on 31 shots in that first game here for Tampa. They're going to have to go with him a little bit longer. And it looks like, you know, maybe things aren't quite done there for them. Uh, Cal Foote and uh, Taylor Radish ended up on the COVID protocols today. They still don't have, um, you know, obviously uh, Nikita Kucherov is out, has been for a while. Uh, they've got injuries to guys like Eric Cernak and um, uh, Gemmel Smith as well that are stretching their depth here. So all that to say, I think this is still a really good team, uh, despite the guys that they're missing. You know, Sergachev, Anthony Sorelli, both names that are still out because of COVID. But Palat, Samkos, and now it looks like Matthew Joseph on the first line, Kalorn Point, and Corey Perry on the second line. Really, the right wing is kind of the biggest issue for them. Um, but I, I like what they can still put on the ice. They've still got Victor Hedman. And really, I think at this point, if they're going to win games, they're going to need to do exactly what they did the other night. And that's just outscore the opposition. They gave up four goals to Montreal, um, but they were able to put in five of their own. And so I would maybe consider, you know, some some sports betting advice here for you today. I would maybe look at the totals on Tampa Bay's games here for a little bit until they get uh, Elliott and and Vasilevsky back, uh, because I expect some high scores. Yeah, I expect some high scores in the Maple Leafs games because their offense is intact with the return of Mitch Marner finally after a lengthy absence. So the top six will have a familiar look to uh, have Marner and Matthews reunited. Michael Bunting should capitalize big time from that opportunity that he's parlayed into a long run working with Matthews up front. Alex Kerfoot and John Tavares have been a really nice partnership on the second line. And if Willie Nylander can't get back, there is some doubt about that. Andre Kasha figures to get a continuation of his run of success as a top six winger here. So that's the only question mark up front for me is whether Willie gets back in the lineup here. But if not uh, on Saturday, certainly soon after that. So everything that will be back intact. I'm curious to see what they get out of Ilya Mikhaev, who is finally getting a getting a start to his season after being out with an injury at the start of the campaign and this recent interruption for the Christmas holidays. At one time, this team had 13 players on the COVID list. Now they have only three, but they're all defensemen, AJ. And that's where the trouble spot looms here because while they might be able to score five or six, they could give up that many as long as Jake Muzzin, Timothy Lilligren, and Morgan Riley are out. It's the latter two that are dealing with the COVID issue. Muzzin is out with a, with a physical hurt right now. And he's also tested positive, so there are complications there. Uh, and I wonder if his return might be delayed as a result. 
Jack Campbell seems to be healthy and ready to go after his bout with COVID, and Peter Morazic as well. So that means at least the, the goaltending should be in capable hands. But I am really concerned about the blue line here for the short term. In Vancouver, it's not a, a ton of guys that are um, that are on the COVID list or, or really any significant contributors, uh, at least in my opinion, that are out other than perhaps Brock Besser. Um, you know, they Hamannick's been in and out of the lineup. Highmore hasn't played for a while. Um, Furland and Brady Keeper are, are out. Furland, uh, I, his name's on this list. Obviously, he his career is over <laughs> just naming the guys on the list that are out but um so yeah so you know there's really not a lot in terms of COVID or, or injury concerns here their problems are more getting production out of the guys they already have you've got in December JT Miller great December 14 points Quinn Hughes 11 Brock Besser who is out eight um, but it just kind of drops off from there I mean Elias Pedersen at one point looked like he was going to be you know, it maybe not at the same level, but at least in a slight conversation, maybe with, you know, like a, a Matthews um, or, uh, or, you know, line a somewhere in that, in that range. Um, but really his production has just not been there the last couple of years uh, to the level that it, it seemed like he was going to. So they, they just need the pieces that they already have to start producing. They're going to go with Yaroslav Halak tonight between the pipes he has been limited. They've ridden pretty heavily on Thatcher Demko, which is to be expected. Halak, for his part, this will be just his eighth appearance of the year, having gone one, four, and one in those prior seven contests. So, um, yeah, they just need the guys they already have to get to, to play better. I mean, Connor Garland is another name that uh, has picked up some points and, and started to look better, but right leading into the break, was on a four-game goalless streak, and, and really you can't have those extended slumps if, if Vancouver wants to compete in what should be a relatively open Pacific division. In Vegas, they have a couple of players in COVID protocol in Brett Howden and Evgeny Dadonov. Dadonov is a guy that they expected to be an offensive producer for this team. I think they have fans of this club have to be a little bit disappointed by his lack of production. He's only got eight goals so far and uh, has been – uh, cast aside in terms of a top six role even before he contracted COVID. So uh, they hope when he gets back, he can find his, his way uh, to be more productive than he has been. They're also missing Alec Martinez with a facial injury. He'll be missing for the better part of another week or so, it seems. Nolan Patrick out with an undisclosed injury could be back soon too. And I hope that he this guy finds some success. He's had a very troubled start to his career, AJ. But uh, the other undisclosed injury here is the one that's probably most concerning. That's Mark Stone. We don't have a real line on what it is that he's dealing with and he's tentatively scheduled to return in about a week or so as well but they'd like to know with some certainty what his situation is going forward and I can't clarify it I don't know if you have anything to say but in his absence the Donoff will get another look in a top six role it looks like by the way we've struck the, structured the lines here on Rotowire's famous depth charts that we've touted all year long so uh, the other thing that I'll note is that a couple of weeks ago, I thought Matt Pacioretty, everybody was singing the praises of this guy being the offensive dynamo of the league and getting better than a goal a game and so on. And I cautioned people and I said, this guy is like a big bear. He goes to sleep for long stretches. <laughs> and AJ, over his last five games, two assists, zero goals. 
I have nothing else to say about him. Well, I'll counter to that just a little. I, I generally agree with you, Paul. I do think Max Pacioretty disappears. Um, but the shots on goal in those five games is 15. Um, so I'm not terribly concerned yet. It's when he stops shooting that I start to get worried. And that is that is a problem for him. So I totally agree with you, Paul. He does go on those those slumps. I will add that Nolan Patrick looks like potentially could return for their next game tomorrow. Um, they're going to make a decision here. I, I would guess we would classify him as a game time decision right now. So they could finally get Nolan Patrick back and that will help bolster what I have argued all year long has been their weakest position, which is the center spot. Obviously that changes uh, whenever they get Eichel back in the lineup in Washington. Uh, it seems, you know, it's, it's one step forward, one step back for them periodically here. You know, it looked like Kuznetsov and Backstrom were both good to go. Then they both got hit with COVID, missed some time there. Now they're back um, for his part. Kuznetsov had a goal last night. So that's a good sign for them. Backstrom uh, similarly had an assist last night. So Seems like maybe they're getting things back together. Tom Wilson is off of IR and he's back and available. They're without Vidic Vanasek uh, for uh, for the time being. Justin Schultz is also unavailable. But really, you know, Ilya Samsonov, other than their most recent stretch, Samsonov had uh, before the Christmas break, Samsonov played just one of their four games. He started last night, but prior to that, he had started 10 of 13. So I really think... He'll still see the bulk of the workload here. You might want to call it closer to a split, but I would say Samsonov still 60-40. Michael Kempney is back in the lineup after being called up due to a number of concerns. And he picked up an assist last night. It'll be interesting to see if he can parlay that into a more extended stay uh, with them. You know, he was placed on waivers in October, sent down to the minors. um, But because they've got a number of guys including Schultz, Jensen, Fairberry, and Cholo Whiskey, um, sidelined all of which for, for COVID concerns. Uh, we, we got to see Kempney in the lineup, and you have to wonder if that game was enough to, to earn him a longer stay. And finally, in Winnipeg, we mentioned off the top, Blake Wheeler is the big concern here out week to week with a knee injury. And in his place, Jansen Harkins is getting a top six look. Nikolai Ehlers moves up to the top line with Shifley and Stastny. Kyle Connor and Pierre-Luc Dubois fill out that second unit, so a pretty formidable six-pack still, and Jensen Harkins hopes to hold up his end of that bargain. The defense is intact, too, which is a real advantage they have over most other clubs in the NHL. Even when everything's healthy, they still rank as one of the top six-packs, so a real advantage there, and the beneficiaries in goal are also healthy, and Connor Hallibuck heads that class. He doesn't have to think about now attending goal at the Olympics, so he can really, I'm sure he was focused on the club here and uh, there in Winnipeg, but sharpens that focus even more i think the best is yet to come for owners of hellebuck going forward so uh, all in all aside from the blake wheeler situation andrew Kopp is dealing with a bit of of a COVID experience himself and they'll miss him for the better part of the week and said ditto for as getting zechnikov these are guys that have fit in in top six roles as well you think if one of those guys comes back soon harkins is going to be the guy that loses the spot right away to one of these two players going forward so all in all a healthy outlook though for the Jets except for their captain and that's a that's a significant blow no question 
AJ, we turn our attention now to uh, part of the show that I really enjoy. The success that we've had in DFS all season is something we hope our listeners have benefited from. And as usual, I will let you lead off with your DraftKings outlook, and I'm going to take notes, my friend. <laughs> well, I'm going to start um, with uh, a couple of guys uh, from a couple uh, a couple of teams that I that I think can have some some pretty good success tonight. And I'll, I'll start that off uh, with two of Carolina's. Uh, forward compliment here, Sebastian Ajo at 7,500, pretty big price tag, but certainly worth it. And then Nino Niederreiter comes in at just 4,500, which is a pretty significant discount for a guy that's going to play top line minutes. Um, you know, they're going up against Montreal tonight, Paul, and, and we've talked about that a lot lately about how Montreal is a bit of a dumpster fire. Niederreiter coming in at 4,500 for a guy that has 11 points in 11 games. I'll take that all day, every day, and twice on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, so outside of them, I mentioned looking at Buffalo tonight, and I think one guy that can fit that bill is Tage Thompson here. He comes in at 4,900. He's my second center alongside Sebastian Ajo. He had two goals last night, so that could um, unnecessarily bolster his – well, for me, unnecessarily bolster his uh, – drafted percentage here but I think it's still worth it when you square off with a pretty thin Islanders squad then I'm going to go with the pair of forwards from Nashville um, Columbus has been very uh, bad lately they're two seven and one in their last 10 games uh, and they they also you know they are getting you mentioned Patrick Line is back um, so that's that's a boon for them uh, they still have Merz Lickens in terms of net mining Jacob Vorsek is healthy so there's reasons to maybe fade Nashville tonight, but they've just been so good lately Um, for their part. I believe they're eight and two in their last 10. And so I'm going to use Philip Forsberg up uh, at 7,100, another big price tag guy, um, but I think certainly worth it for his role on the power play. Um, And he, he had been rolling prior to the holiday break with points in five straight games. And then Yakov Trenin is the other uh, winger I'm going to use here. He comes in at a min price of 2,500 here. But you're talking about a guy who uh, you look last eight games, four goals, two assists, two of those points coming on the power play. Um, I, I think he's in a good spot here, especially you know with with Yossi out. They're going to need to shuffle those power play lines up a little bit more. Uh, he'll probably be on the second unit, but it is possible they would elevate him to number one. Um, so I, re- I really like Trennan for that that min price tag here. My utility spot, I'm going to go with Blake Coleman in this one. I think Calgary is in a really uh, good spot here going up against Seattle. Uh, you know, they, they've been a team that has outperformed, I think, my expectations throughout the year. For Coleman's part, you know, a 2,900 price tag, not super heavy. Um, but what I love about his game, you know, you're, you're going to look. I, I know some people are going to listen to this and they're going to be like, really, Blake Coleman, he's got one goal in his last 21 games. I, I get that. I, I see it. Um, but you look at those last five and he's got 19 shots on goal. Um, so he's putting pucks on net nearly at a pace of four per game right now. Um, and I think, you know, really at 2,900, if he puts four shots on net, that's a decent return on your value there. He'll toss in a couple blocks and maybe he gets one of those ones in and gets rolling here. And I think it's a good matchup. So a good spot to use him. 
Defensively, I'm going to pay up a little bit more tonight, and that starts with Aaron Ekblad for Florida at 7,200. This guy has just been so good all season long. You're talking about one of the you know premier defensemen. I mentioned that Tampa Bay's goaltending situation is really rough right now, so I think it's a good opportunity to use some of these Florida guys. And again, you know, drafted percentage has to be a consideration. Ekblad has a really good year under his belt, but his last six games he has just one assist, but still seeing tons and tons of minutes on the power play um, and putting a lot of shots. Obviously, at 7,200, you need him to you know at least pick you up an assist there, but this should be a high-scoring game. And then I like Quinn Hughes at 5,300 for Vancouver. The matchup isn't too bad going up against Los Angeles. His price tag is pretty minimal when you compare him to other guys at the top of the price range. He's got five helpers in his last three games. Not a ton of goals, obviously, from Hughes this year, but he's picking up those assists. A lot of them are coming with the man advantage, so you get that bonus. And then I mentioned how good Nashville's been lately. It doesn't seem to matter if they're playing on the road or at home. And so I like David Riddich at 8,100. We haven't confirmed that on Rotowire yet, but with them having played last night, um, he should be the guy to go. But uh, regardless, if for some reason they went with Yossi in the back-to-backs, you should be able to get either one of them into your lineup over on DraftKings. So that's what I did tonight. A little bit more of a hodgepodge than some of my other lineups have been. I, I do tend to go pretty stack-heavy. Um, it's kind of a boom-or-bust strategy. This one, a little more, more sprinkle of teams in there. But, uh, yeah, Paul, what, uh, what does your lineup look like over on FanDuel? Well, I'm playing yours, so the pressure's on you, buddy. Uh, but uh, I'm, I'm going no, with a couple. Good. I'm I'm look, looking at a couple of line stacks here, and I'm kind of going against one of the teams that you highlighted. You highlighted the Sabers having an advantage over the Islanders. I think they're going to play the heck out of their top line uh, at home tonight. So I look for Bailey and Anders Lee to have big games, and they're going to their price has been depressed. Fifty nine hundred dollars for Lee. $4,600 for Bailey, and I think Barzal is just starting to scratch the surface in terms of really finding his game and playing at a higher level than we've seen much of the year. So he's still only $6,500. So a cheap trio of Islanders on the top line against the Buffalo Sabres club, but I know they're playing against a depleted Islanders team, but Buffalo are not juggernauts by any stretch of the imagination. They're on the road. I think the top line of the Isles should have a good night tonight. The other line that I'm stacking, you touched on it, and I will be all over it. Carolina against Montreal. You know the emotions will be higher in this game for the Montreal Canadiens than usual because they've been disparaged by the the Hurricanes ever since they signed Jesperi Kotkaniemi, who hasn't really lit lit the world on fire since joining Carolina, but they've created a bit of a rivalry issue here for themselves. And I'm looking for Sebastian Ajo and uh, Toivo Teravainen and Nino Niederreiter to defend home turf. I'm surprised. Uh, I'm not surprised at Ajo's price tag at $9,700, but I'm really surprised that Teravainen and Niederreiter come in at $6,700 and $5,200 with this tasty matchup. So I'm hoping that that pays off for me. Uh, I also fill it out with, uh, with the defense pairing of Rasmus Anderson and Ivan Provorov, I spoke about the fact that both of these guys have really started. Well, Rasmus Anderson has taken over the, the point man role on the power play here uh, for much of the season. He's piled up the assists. The goals haven't been there, but I'm fine if he gets a couple of helpers tonight against Seattle. And uh, Provorov has picked up his game, and it's by necessity that somebody had to come forward among that 
group of experienced offensive-minded defensemen. Provorov, being the first guy, should get the lion's share of all the high-leverage minutes again tonight. He's averaging now over 10 points a game in FanDuel play, and I get that for $4,300. So I think I've covered my entire lineup here except for the goalie, AJ, uh, and that's Jacob Marstrom in the Nets. Again, I'll tout him as my call at the beginning of the season as the top goalie in the hockey this season. And apart from being out of action for a little bit because of COVID, he has lived up to that billing. He's averaged over 21 points per game. I get him for cheap tonight, $7,600. I think this is a game where you could easily sca- uh, stack a few Calgary players as well in a pretty tasty matchup there. So uh, just a quick scan. I don't think I missed any players here. So that's the way my lineup looks. And I didn't start looking at stacks the, uh, the way I have until most recently, AJ. It was a tip that I got from you earlier on. and it's, I've made it really work for me this season and uh, – I think this could be another lineup that gets to the pay window. So that said, we've reached the end of another show, but a difficult one for me to get through, AJ, just because I hate the heck out of talking about COVID as much as we have to still. And I can't wait for the day when we can stop that and and just talk about the games and the storylines around the league. We've always had lots to talk about in that regard. And the fact that it's now a health impact that it's, continuous to impact all of us is is very distressing i'll have to say yeah yeah i mean obviously um you know we mentioned it off the top and paul um i hate to do this to you but i i'm maybe i'm wrong but i think you might agree with brad marchant i know (laughs) i'm shocked that i agreed with him um if you go over to brad marchant's twitter You'll see a little bit of a rant he posted about uh, the NHL's decision to pull out of the Olympics, basically saying like, you know, hey, they're figuring out how to do taxi squads while guys are out for this. Like, why can't we do it for when guys are out for the Olympics Um, and that the NHL should honor its agreement to let guys go? Um, And, you know, I, I, I agree with Brad Marchand. They should let the players decide. Obviously, you know, we heard early Robin Leonard wasn't going to go um, for all of his reasons, which are 100% valid. I, more power to him for saying that very early on. Um, but on the flip side, there's guys like Marchant who clearly want to represent their country, want to go play in the Olympics, and they're willing to accept the risk. Uh, and the league did say as part of the, the CBA negotiations that they could go. So, I mean, I, I cannot believe that I'm touting Brad Marchand's take on anything, but uh, go check it out if you haven't seen it. But I absolutely agree with him. The crux of the issue being um, that the players should be allowed to go to the point where, like, he even says, like, if you have to forfeit salary be- because you're going, Brad Marchand basically was like, okay, fine. Like, whatever. I don't care. Um yeah, so I don't know, Paul. Does this put you in a difficult spot? Do you agree with Brad Marchand that each player should be able to evaluate that decision for themselves? I'll say he has a point, AJ. But <laughs> hockey, let me tell, let me say this: I don't agree with his viewpoint when you consider that this is a business, and the owners have to look after their assets and they have to look after the, their season. That's front and center for them. And so, uh, my short answer is: follow the money. Brad, you're getting paid an awful lot to play an 82-game schedule, and they don't want to jeopardize that by you getting COVID or worse, getting hurt over there. Now, they've always sacrificed the injury possibility, but you throw out COVID on top of that. And there was some talk that, you know, because it's in a foreign land, there could be an extended stay required. So it could not could be several weeks that a lot of teams are without a number of players. And if you let teams vote 
whether they want to participate, you're going to have a mess. You're going to have some teams that vote unanimously to go and other teams that vote unanimously not to go. And, and uh, so that could be a competitive advantage that really plays havoc with the rest of the regular season. So I don't think that uh, Marchand has a leg to stand on when he should really take a look in the mirror and say, this is a business first. And that's the sad reality of sports today. And so I hate saying I'd be, that. I'd be curious to know what your take would be if it was John Tavares or Austin Matthews saying the same thing. <laughs> well, it's the same. And, and, and the, the issue is this, AJ, as many as 12, 10 players on the Leafs were projected to go across the ocean. And can you imagine if they got COVID over there and had to be detained five weeks? That's what I'm talking about. The rest of their schedule would be an absolute mess and they would find a way to compete with Montreal for the bottom of that division in that circumstance. I don't think the ownership is down for that at all. And so that's really where, where things come to a bit of a loggerhead situation. And, uh, you know, I don't mind talking about the Leafs as an example in that regard because of the high number of people that would be asked to participate for a number of the different countries. And, and uh, you know, the, the same thing could happen to the Penguins for that for that in that same vein. So we could debate this one long and hard, but I think that the ownership of the league has made a strong statement saying this is a business first and this is not a very safe time to take this risk. And and so it's it's a risk reward situation here. And it also comes full circle when you consider if they do go forward with these plans, it could play havoc with the potential of a no salary cap increase again. And that's really something that the, that is also driving the situation. So very complicated matter and one that could merit an entire program uh, here. We won't devote it today. Obviously, we've gone long enough. But I think a good representation of both viewpoints has been expressed here. And I think it's a fine place to leave it, AJ. So that wraps up our look around the league and in, in, uh, the return to play, I'll say. And uh, we uh, thank you for your patience. We didn't record last week. We were on holidays for Christmas. We hope you all enjoyed the best of the season could offer under these trying circumstances. And we also thank our sponsor, Owner's Box. Check them out. You'll be glad you did. In the meantime, as always, please remember to send your comments or questions on Twitter. Follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22. And you can follow AJ at AJScholes24. As always, we invite you to listen to the podcast to get our tips to stay out of the competition in your fantasy hockey planning and research. So long, everybody.